0: The Vance's are so, so boring. (laughs) This was, sorry, uh, this was my friend Jeff's summary of what he discovered after doing some research for me about my family history. Uh, They've been farmers in western New York for centuries, and that's about it. This means that if you find this sermon or any other sermon particularly boring, you can blame it on my ancestors. (laughs) It's all their fault. No offense, mom or dad. Uh, I don't know where where our kids got this from, but um, somewhere along the the line, they they began thinking that they could say basically anything to each other, anything mean to each other, as long as they prefaced it with no offense. (laughs) No offense, but I hate you. (laughs) Totally, totally fine. Uh, Now, um, by boring, uh, what Jeff was really saying was, sorry, there's no famous people in your family history, as as far as we can tell, right? Because that's sort of what you're looking for when you do research on your family history. Am I related to somebody famous? Um, But if we look deeper at the people and at the relationship, the relationships that are a part of all of this family history, it's not surprising to discover that that generation after generation, families tend to pass on certain qualities, uh, certain behaviors, certain traditions, and certain values, right? Uh, we inherit these things, and we inherit things that are both healthy and life-giving, and we inherit things that are not so healthy or, or life-giving. And like so many other things in life, this is all tangled together in a, in a giant mess. And um, and maybe you experienced a little bit of that this last week, if you gathered together with, with your family. Um, maybe you noticed some of the blessings that have been passed down to you as a part of, of your family, and, um, and chances are you probably came face to face with some of your family curses as well, or some of the some of the more uh, awkward things that are are part of every family. Holidays tend to do that, right? Holidays tend to invite us into both the good and the bad of of being together. Uh, It's an opportunity to notice both, if you will, if you wanna (laughs) spin it in a positive way. So today is the first Sunday of Advent, uh, the beginning of our journey toward Christmas, toward uh, the birth of Jesus, and Jesus, was born into a family with a a long history. So notice how the Gospel of Matthew prepares us for the birth of Jesus at Christmas. Matthew 1.1, an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then there's a long, long, long list of names. He begins with Jesus' family history and on its own, reading this list of, of genealogy it is, is rather boring, honestly. But if we take a closer look, there's a, a lot of good stories mixed together with a lot of awkward and terrible stories, just, just like all of us. So as we prepare for Jesus' birth, let's start with Jesus' connection to the first person in this genealogy, um, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, We first meet Abraham at the time he was known as Abram, or Avram. And we meet him first in a family genealogy, in Genesis chapter 11. But then, in Genesis 12, we hear this. Now the Lord said to Abram, or Avram, Go from your country and your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So go into the unknown. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There is in this story connected to Jesus a genealogy that includes Abraham, that honors his family history and connections. And in Genesis 12, this comes with God's call that includes freedom to depart from certain family traditions and expectations. It's, it's, it's both. They're both rooted in their history and they are free to experience and, and create something new. Is Matthew wanting us to think about Jesus also in this way? Deeply rooted, but but also bringing something new and, and experiencing something new for our world? To recognize that, that Jesus is rooted in our shared human history and in the hope for a, a departure from the darker parts of our human history? So the, the first thing that we notice <clears throat> is that Abraham and Sarah are called to enjoy and pass on blessing. And not just for their family or for the people who look like them and, and act like them and believe like them and vote like them. All families of the earth shall be blessed. So is Matthew wanting us to look also at Jesus in this way? Are we to expect that this child born to a poor Middle Eastern Jewish family will embody God's generosity and inclusive welcome? Is that what we should expect as we begin to read this genealogy? Well, let's see how God, um, or how Abraham and Sarah do with, with passing on blessing. So we continue in Genesis 12 at verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. So so not a great start. Um, And so Abram and and Sarah went down to Egypt to reside there as as foreigners, for the famine was severe in the land. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said of his wife Sarah, I know well that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. Okay, that's great. Good, Good for him. And And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. All right? So say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life might be spared on your account. So when Abram and entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the, the woman was very beautiful, and when the officials of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. But for her sake, he dealt well with Abram, and, and so Abraham had sheep and, and oxen and male donkeys and male and female slaves, uh, female donkeys and camels. So that's, that's a lot of stuff, apparently. Um, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, "What is this that you have done to me? Why did you tell me that she was your? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and be gone." Um, well that's sort of awkward This typically isn't the type of story that you share at a, at a family gathering when you get together unless somebody has had too much to drink and and you know a fight breaks out with your aunts and uncles or whoever it is that fights every every holiday um so So does Matthew want us to think about this story as we prepare for Jesus' birth? Well, yes, it seems so. Because all of these stories are important as we prepare to figure out who Jesus is and what Jesus is going to to be about. This story in particular, because because like I said before, our families don't just pass on the good stuff. Fearful self-preservation gets passed on. Patriarchy gets passed on. The female appearance and identity defined as dangerous gets passed on. Instead of human history moving forward in good and healing ways, we get stuck in cycles of dysfunction. So Abraham leaves Egypt richer. And by the definitions of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, Abraham is blessed. He has more things. Way to go. But he has more things only because others have been cursed only because others have been enslaved, even his own wife, only because others have been hurt. So, God's goodness was supposed to be so deep and so wide that there was enough for everyone. So so what happened? Well, um, this is sort of all new for Abraham, right? Like, like he just got this job to, to bless all people. So so maybe we should, should give him another chance. What do you think? I mean, maybe we don't want to give him another chance. I mean, that was pretty bad. Well, we're going to give him another chance, at least for the sake of this sermon. Genesis chapter 20. They've moved, so they move to a new town. They, have, they leave Egypt with, with all this stuff, and they move to a new town with new neighbors, and in verse 2, Abraham says of his wife, she's my sister. Wait, What? Again and again, a king takes Sarah, and again the king gets cursed, and again Abraham gets richer while innocent people suffer. Then a generation later in Genesis 26, God says to Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac. Maybe maybe Isaac will get this right. So, So God says to him, I will bless you, and through you I will bless all nations of the earth. Again, God's generous and inclusive welcome are deep enough and wide enough for everyone. But then there's another famine, so Isaac and his wife Rebecca head toward Egypt. But along the way, they come to a new town, so Isaac says about his wife, she's my sister, <laughs> because he thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is beautiful. Whew. And Isaac's mother sarah rolls her eyes and says well he didn't get that from my side of the family (laughs) obviously that's that's his dad and then isaac has a son named jacob who lies in order to steal a blessing from his own brother and then jacob has a bunch of sons who lie and sell their brother joseph into slavery so that he ends up in egypt where his ancestors are enslaved for 400 years and then they're set free only because Pharaoh and the Egyptian people experience what? Plagues. <laughs> Which is exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 12. In Egypt with Abraham and Sarah. So when my kids were younger, they, they loved books like um, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie... Are you familiar, familiar with those books? We actually still had this in our bookshelf. It's, it's by the same author, um, uh, Laura Numeroff, and it's called, If You Give a Pig a Pancake. Um, and, and so, like Jesus' family history, if you will, these stories are all big circles that end where they begin, and they begin where they end, which can make you really crazy if you think about this too much. So it begins with, if you give a pig a pancake. If you give a pig a pancake, she'll want some syrup with it, obviously. And so you'll give her some of your favorite syrup. And she'll probably get sticky, so she'll want to take a bath. And then she takes a bath, which, um, which leads to bubbles, and then leads to warm clothes, and, um, and then eventually leads to a tree house. And, and the pig will, will want to decorate the tree house, obviously. And so the pig will take wallpaper and glue to decorate the tree house. And, and, and when the pig is decorating the treehouse with wallpaper and glue, she'll get sticky. And if she gets sticky, she'll think about your favorite maple syrup, right? And if she thinks about your favorite maple syrup, she'll probably want some pancakes, right? Like th- this is the whole story. So like it begins where it ends and it ends where it begins. And so, so the book is over, but is it really? No, you're stuck in this vicious cycle of what happens when a pig eats a pancake, because it ends with the beginning, and so you have to go back to the beginning and go through the whole thing all over again. The story starts over again and again and again, which is often how the stories of the Bible unfold, as you, as you could tell, which is also oftentimes how the stories of our own families and our own histories and our own cultures tend to unfold. Jesus' family history is stuck in a cycle of limited blessing. There's not enough for me and for you. And they just get stuck there, generation after generation after generation. And so if, if the Bible was a kid's book, which they do have them as kid's book, which, which is probably good, um, the version might be called something like, if you go down to Egypt... Right? Because every time they go down to Egypt, something, something bad happens. In the Bible, if you go down to Egypt, you'll likely encounter people who are different than you. If you, likely, if you go anywhere, you'll likely encounter people who are different than you. And if you meet people who are different, then you might be afraid of the unknown. And if you're afraid, then you might put others in harm's way in order to protect yourself. And this kind of injustice and this kind of inequality will become a curse or a plague for everyone, even if some of you walk away with more than you had at the beginning. Because if if our blessings come from the misfortune of others, then our kids and their kids and their, their kids' kids will lie and cheat and put others in harm's way for their own benefit, which in the end will take them back down to Egypt. And if you go down to Egypt... Well, it, it, it starts all over again. What happened to God's blessing on all people? What happened to God's goodness for all families? What happened to God's generous and inclusive welcome? This tragic cycle of inequality and injustice is a part of our human history. Whether, whether we like it or not, and, and it's told even in Jesus' own family tree. Does the gospel of Matthew want us thinking about this as we prepare for Jesus' birth? And if so, why? Well, it's just the first Sunday of Advent, so, so we might have to wait until Christmas to, to find out. But here's a, here's a little hint. Abraham and Sarah and their ancestors, like all of ours, also pass on things like courage and forgiveness and, and faithfulness and hope. Those, those stories are, are here in the long history as well. So if we're hearing this Jesus story for the first time, Jesus' identity as a son of Abraham, as a son of Abraham and Sarah, raises a lot of questions, for, at least for people who are familiar with these, these old, old stories. It raises questions about how Jesus will make his way in the world. What will Jesus be like? Who will Jesus hang out with? What will Jesus do in the world? Will Jesus' life be one of limited blessing? Some for these people, but not enough for everyone if we're reading the story for the first time, we don't know, right? We don't know what's gonna happen. Or will Jesus embody God's generosity and inclusive welcome? Will Jesus break the cycle of limited blessing? We don't know. We're, We're just waiting for him to be born. And then we have to wait for him to grow up, I guess. So perhaps this Advent season and this Christmas season, this same question comes to us, rooted in our own family histories, what are we passing on? Or what will we pass on? And in each moment, where is there freedom for us to experience and create something new? Please uh, pray with me. Uh, Jesus, thank you that you You're present with us through it all, all that we carry with us from from our family, from our own lives, all that we carry with us from our culture, from our world history, all that we have, we we, we bring it, both the good and the bad, our strengths and our weaknesses, our failures and our successes, we bring it all, and we're thankful for your faithfulness and your closeness to us. We pray that in this Advent season, you would invite us uh, to consider what we will pass on